Hello, everybody. This is Grizzly once again from Lexington, Kentucky. We've got a special guest today, Lee Ives. Very special to be on the show. Very grateful to have her. Grizzly from coast to coast and around the world. We broadcast. So tell us a little bit about yourself now. I heard you have a book and everything else. Yes, I have a book. It's called The Terror by Night, Not Flesh or Blood. It's put out by Lulu Publishing. Awesome. Awesome. Please, everybody, check that book out. Uh, I guess you can order on Amazon and in the big book it's not on It's not on Amazon. Okay. Um, it's on Lulu Publishing, Lulu, L-U-L-U dot com. L-U-L-U dot com. Yes, this is, this is their logo. Okay, great. Lulu dot com. Lulu dot com, everybody, make sure to remember that. Awesome. I am working to try to get it onto Amazon, which would be a much bigger audience because I really think this story needs to be told. And what story is that? There are plenty in this book. I've had a lifetime of supernatural experiences. Really? Yes. Um, would you like me to start with the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. My Now, I grew up in a very small town, and we would, you would, would just think that nothing could happen in this small town, but it turns out things, things can happen. Right. And when I was a child, I was only about two years old. I thought I was a little bit younger than that, but I think now I was about two, maybe two years old. And my maternal grandmother was babysitting me at her home. She'd put me down for a nap one afternoon on the queen size bed in the spare bedroom. And I laid on my back with my eyes closed and napped peacefully. Suddenly I woke and I felt a presence that was not my grandmother. A big black strange cat crept into the bedroom. Oh, no one had ever seen this cat before. Grandma had Sim, the Siamese cat, and her neighbors owned a big orange cat, but there were no black cats in the surrounding area. Moreover, it did not have a normal appearance. It was solid black, yet shiny, and it seemed to be glowing with an eerie aura in the afternoon sun. It was probably one or two o'clock in the afternoon at the time. Oh, wow. But this cat was glowing. It was, and the thought in my mind was Christmas tree because huh. it was, the fur was glowing red, yellow, and green. It was glowing like a Christmas tree. Keeping its enormous yellow eyes fixed on me, the cat slipped around to the other side of the bed before jumping on the bed and heading for me. It was plainly stalking me as if I were a bird or a baby rabbit. And I was very small for my age, and the cat straddled my body. Uh-oh. And bent its face over mine, peering into my eyes as if to devour me. 
and it became began to suck the life breath out of me and i had to fight to take my breath back from it and i screamed a strangled a strangled scream the cat was sucking the breath from my body and my grandmother came running she yelled, I can't have a cat in here with a baby. Turning to the cat and pointing, she angrily exclaimed, you get out of here. Fiercely and not wanting to surrender its prey, the cat held its ground. Grandma raised her arm to swat the cat, but it avoided her hand and evaded her attempts to strike it. And it reluctantly left me when she began to chase it out the kitchen door. Once outside, the cat walked into the dahlias and simply disappeared. Whoa. I was too afraid to sleep anymore, and the nap was over, and as she comforted me, Grandma noticed the unlatched screen door in the kitchen. Thought I locked that, she said, an expression of absolute puzzlement on her face. And how did the screen door become unlocked? My grandmother had been broken into the year before, and since the previous burglary, she was very cautious about locking her doors. This is an artist's rendering of the cat. Oh, wow. This is just, it's pencil drawings. Pencil and charcoal is what he did. The next thing happened when I was four and I was on downtown and I was on a ride. My cousin's my cousin and I went on a ride. It was little boats on a track. And they just barely moved around the track. It was a kiddie ride. Right. And all of a sudden, I was sitting on my cousin's lap. I was four years old. She was 10. I was small for my age. And suddenly, the ride accelerated. The boat went off of the track, became airborne. Oh, no. Going through the air, I landed on the pavement with my cousin on top of me. She was heavier, and then the boat was on top of her. So I think that something otherworldly tried to kill me. Wow. When I was five years old... We had, we had eerie accidents and odd happenings and just strange, strange things started happening. Beginning in the 1970s, which I was born in 1977, but beginning in the 1970s and continue, continuing through the 90s, there were reports and grisly evidence of covens of witches assembling to sacrifice animals in our little rural county. The rumors were confirmed when one evening two preteens, this isn't me, this is another story I, that I heard from a Christian friend. Two preteens were walking near a rock quarry when they thought they heard voices. It was almost dark and they were curious about who would be out there at that time of evening. When they climbed to the side of the rock quarry and looked down into the pit below, they saw about 30 people. That's a three and a zero, 30. Wow in black robes, chanting around a huge bonfire. And they saw them conducting rituals as they sacrificed animals to Satan. Later, multitudes of cats and dogs were found dismembered along with the bones of earlier sacrifices. 
Such activities spread out into our small town and continued into 1982. And that same year, 1982, I was five years old. The dark force made itself known to me. I weighed, I was still small. I weighed all of 37 pounds. Wow. One evening, mom and dad tucked me into and took turns kissing me goodnight. And I wouldn't sleep for long. Suddenly, I awoke to what most people would now call a shadow man or a slender right. man. It was darker than the darkness. And you hear stories of this commonly now, but it, back then it was pretty unknown. It stood over my bed and stared at me with no eyes. It was tall and narrow, had sharp, unnatural angles, not the curves of the natural human body, and it had a hat. And I screamed, Mommy, there's a monster in here. Mom came running into my room and turned on the light. I don't see a monster, said Mom. You're okay. It's just your imagination. Mom turned off the light and walked back to her bed. But it was only a few minutes before the shadow man returned. This time with another shadow man, I screamed and Mom came back. What was going through your mind when you was witnessing this? I was just scared it, it was a fear that goes beyond like anything that you see on television anything in nature just absolute terror unbelievable mommy i said he goes away when you turn on the light so mom turned on the light and as a result of encounters like this my bedroom light stayed on through high school but then there were more serious implications. After the second shadow man visited, I became very sick. I had a series of illnesses that no doctor could diagnose. Uh, my mom and dad took me basically every day to our family doctor. I wouldn't eat. My stomach hurt every time I ate. I went from a slender 37 pounds to a skeletal 29. Went to wow. the hospital. They couldn't figure anything out. And later that summer, our family became the target of threats. One night after a family trip to the circus, my brother was much older than I, and he had a new baby. And he got back to his house, and the phone rang at 11.30 p.m. The guy says, I've been watching you. I know where you live, and I'm going to come kill you tonight. Oh, my God. And he says, I'm going to come kill you tonight. And so my brother could not live at his house. So he was back and forth between my grandmother and my parents' house. Was it an actual person that called or was it? It was, it was a person that called. It was a voice. Um, even my uncle's house was not safe. One evening after work, our uncle went outside to his wood shop to do some of the woodworking he enjoyed. When my uncle turned the doorknob to his wood, to his wood shop, he felt it pull back. Whoa. Someone was inside. He, it was str someone strong enough to keep the door closed against a 200-pound man. 
Yet no one was ever seen afterward. We were all living under a threat. Yet God protected my uncle that night, just as he protected all of us from his voice on the phone. And I was five years old. I could read. I was self-taught reader when I was two years old. Wow. I wanted to start kindergarten. I wanted to be one of the big kids, but I was six, so I couldn't go. And we were at my grandmother's house. My grandmother babysat me, and my parents would go there. They were both teachers, and they would go there, and we'd eat dinner together as a family. And my cousin was in the sixth grade at the time. Um, I had developed the mysterious illnesses, as I said, sore throat, runny nose, stomach ache, nausea, vomiting, no appetite. And I picked at grandma's beef and macaroni casserole that night. Just one bite, mom, or just one bite. And then the topic around the dinner table that night was a local police report that there was a credible threat about the witches or devil worshippers, no one knew exactly who or what they were, were planning to kidnap a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. The leaked information stated they were looking to take a child from the school bus stop at our neighborhood elementary school where my mom taught third grade. Everyone was terrified. Rumors spread like wildfire and the fear in town was palpable. And I remember walking downtown with my grandmother and I could feel unseen eyes on me. Something was definitely out to get me. Was it the passersby or the people who lived in the apartments above the downtown store? The rumor mill said there was a witch's coven that met in a tunnel just a few miles from the town. And it was said that during Halloween, the witches planned to make sacrifices of cats and dogs and possibly a human child. And they wanted a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl who wanted to hang out at the school and kidnap her as getting on the school bus. So the principal made not one but two teachers do downstairs bus duty. Bus duty is where the teacher watches the child get onto the bus. Normally, there's right. a person doing it. The person made the principal made two people doing it, and. It was, my mom had to do it a lot because one of the teachers had a broken ankle and she couldn't move fast enough on crutches to get the, uh, to call for help or grab a kid or like anything like that. And at the time, my mom looked at me at the dinner table and said, I'm glad we didn't send you to school this year. They could have just picked you up and ran. Wow. I fit the bill. I was a strawberry blonde at the time, blue-eyed female, very easily portable. And from then on, my parents, my grandmother, other relatives watched me closely. When our family went to the grocery store, my mom would say, hold my hand and never let go. If I had a coat on, I would keep my hood over my head to hide my hair, my eyes, my face from any unknowable kidnappers. And in the produce aisle, I recall the produce lady gave me a banana to eat. It was strange how I could eat in the grocery store, but not in my own home. And we would like go to, there was a McDonald's in town and chicken nuggets were the thing. And I, we would go and eat McDonald's and I could eat there. 
And as she chumped, mom would give me a book to keep me occupied. I would read the book till the checkout aisle. Now, I think a, a book, reading a book in the grocery store is odd, but back then it was something we did so I'd be quiet and not draw attention to myself. And we'd carry groceries to my great aunt, who was a retired United Methodist deaconess. She always had some sort of goodie for me, and every place, her holi every holiday, had her its own kind of candy with her. Funny, I could eat at my aunt's apartment, too, just not my house. And I could never, if I wanted to play outside, I could never go out without grandma going outside with me. I didn't have the freedom my other, the children my, my age did. One day when I was about eight, I was homesick from school and staying with my grandmother. Go get a game, grandma said, and I had learned to play rook and I was improving my skills at checkers. And I found a new game. It was uh -oh. a board. I didn't she know had one. She had one. She had one. You know, that's strange because my grandmother and grandfather had one too. It was the fashion at one time to have one. And I was excited. I was took the board out of the box. It said, the directions on it said, talk to any dead person you want. And I'm like thinking, I'm going to talk to Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to talk to Elvis Presley. And as soon as I placed it on the board, the planchette moved without me moving it or my hand or anything. How strange. And it just zigzagged nonsensically. It didn't spell out a word. And my grandmother saw it and yelled, put that back. It's very dangerous. So I put it back and got the checkers instead. And I never forgot the game that played mysteriously. No batteries required. And I've never forgotten the panic in my grandmother's voice. Wow. That's terrifying. I wasn't terrified, though, at the child, as a child. When I was in, it, it ramps up, believe me. When I was in eighth grade, my beloved father died. And I would sit on the bed and cry every evening after school. And many times an unseen force would come to put warm, comforting arms around me. It felt like something beyond the love that human beings are capable of giving each other. It felt divine. And absolutely unconditional. And after the, the, the company comforting calmness would ensue and I could go do my homework after that I think it was God comforting me in my grief and something unholy was in my house and I remember I wanted to be so much with my father that I wanted to kill myself um, I thought about overdosing on pills and we didn't have any and my my father had a deer rifle but I figured there was no way I could use it. And I now think these urgings came from an actual demonic entity known as the spirit of death. Right. So to right. choose both of us up, my mom started planning bus trips for us to go on. And one evening after we returned from a trip to Baltimore, Maryland, we looked for the scissors to cut our luggage tags off for the next great adventure. We couldn't find him. Eventually, my mom found the scissors in the bathroom medicine cabinet. And that was really odd. My mom said, we have a ghost. She said it's so matter-of-factly. Matter 
And another time we had gone to Nashville and come back. We once again looked for the scissors. And then I got hungry and went for a snack, opened the refrigerator, and there the scissors were. Wow. It became more common and normal for objects. Typically, it was the remote control and the scissors. The TV remote would be all over the place in the house. And Mom and I just shrugged it off. We chucked it up to Goofy Teenage Me, but I knew I wasn't doing it. Didn't every adolescent put the, put the remote in their freezer on occasion? And we just brushed it off that there was something unnatural living with, with us in our home. Oh, absolutely. Now, I do. I have had some contact with my dead grandmother also. Really? She passed away in 1995. I was, this summer I was 17, I stayed with my grandmother. She wasn't eating very much. I brought apple cinnamon oat cereal for her, and she only ate two O's and said, this is enough. And my high school biology class studied vitamins that semester. Two O's wouldn't be enough vitamins. I said, Grandma, are you going to die? And she said, not for a while yet. And when I die, I won't go on to heaven right away. The spirit hangs around the body for three days. I'll give you a sign to let you know I'm around. Uh-oh. So when, when she died, before she died, she asked the hymn, Let There Be Peace on Earth and Let It Begin With Me, played be played and sung at her funeral. And it was her personal anthem. She lived through two world wars, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and Gulf Storm. So it was her personal anthem. And the church chimes played. We had a church in town that played chimes randomly. It would play different hymns. At the moment she died, it played Let There Be Peace on Earth and Let It Begin With Me. Oh, wow. And in the evening, my mom was picking out her dress and I was out in the living room. And a ball of light came to the window. And my mom said, I, yeah, I saw it too. I put wow. my hand up to the window and it illuminated every vein in my hand. Mm. That's incredible. May 1996, I got scarlet fever. I was really? in high school. I remember going home and going to bed, and I was, um, my body functions were shutting down. Oh, no. And I remember going home and going to bed and asking for God to take me. And yeah. I exhaled and I was with God. Um, I went to a place that was dark gray. I didn't see a light. I just went to a place that was dark gray. I couldn't see very much. But I knew no one was there except God and me, and heaven was down at the end of a long hallway. I really wanted the pain to stop. I really wanted to see my father and grandmother again. 
So I started to walk down that corridor, and at that moment, I felt God grab me around the waist, much as a parent would do with a child who tries to run into the street. God showed me what would happen if I died. And God let me look into my grieving mother's eyes. And he said, the path toward heaven lies before you. You must not walk down it today. You have so much more to do in life. You must get your education, be a leader among people, and take care of your mother. And at that exact instant, I inhaled. I went back into my body. The fever broke. I woke up in a literal puddle. My sweat, my sweat had gone through the mattress and all the way to the box spring. Oh my God! Was if something if somebody had turned on a water hose? Wow! It was that wet. There was more weirdness at home. Um, I I took a job out of town for about two and a half years, and then I quit that job to move back home and finish my master's degree. While I was staying in my childhood home, I found, I was looking for a place to live. And one night I suddenly awoke to a girl standing in the hallway outside my bedroom. She had shoulder length brown hair. She was wearing an old fashioned knee length white shirt or dress, something I, I couldn't really tell. And she was barefoot when I yelled, get out of my hallway. The girl turned to look at me, had no recognizable facial features. Only blood where her face should have been. Oh. In my mind, I heard the words, face ripped off. After I yelled, the bloody girl simply disappeared. Eventually, I bought a house. I asked the realtor, is it haunted? No, the realtor came, calmly replied. Thank heavens, I said. In approximately 2005, we had a dog. His name was Duke. He was a Brittany Spaniel. And one hot July day, my, my brother boarded the dog at our vet while he and my sister-in-law went out on an anniversary trip. And my mother and I were out of town then. And our vet had always been able to find some remedy for him. But Duke fell ill and died at the vet's office, and my brother took him back and buried him on our property. Soon after his burial, eerie things started happening. One evening, I came back, and she started barking in the basement. And my mom said, oh, that's outside. I went outside. None of our neighbors had the dog. Wow. And it was clearly his voice. And it was the occasional bark or two in the morning and evening at first. It got worse over time. And by October, the barking had escalated. And it started happening really late at night. And the quality of the bark changed to where it began sounding less like a dog and more like a pitiful near human cry for help. Finally, one night I had enough. I said, Duke's in the basement. I'm going down there to get him out. I wasn't sure what I was dealing with. A ghost? If so, it had to know. When I shook the, the liver-flavored dog treats, the treats rattled inside. Hey, Duke, hey, boy, want a doggy treat? A joyful bark like Duke's bark followed. 
it wasn't wholesome or correct to have such things happening. You can't have a doggy treat, Duke, you're dead. I began the Lord's Prayer. And as I prayed through it, the barking continued after I said, said amen. I said to what I thought was Duke's spirit, go toward the light, Duke. You can't live here anymore. Go toward the light. Go to heaven where dad is. And a rush of wind, stronger than a breeze, passed by me and out an open window, then silenced. Wow. And I thought I had performed an exorcism. See, that experience gave me, the, put in my mind, the thought that I had control over the spirit world. Right, right. Which I don't, and really nobody does. Um, in 2015, my mother had Alzheimer's, developed Alzheimer's, and in 2015, she started talking to people who weren't there. She no longer spoke to her family, but she could talk to people who weren't there. And sometimes Alzheimer's patients do this. We were told, don't worry about it. But she was almost too focused and too clear. And I said, Mother, who are you talking to? Heaven. Okay, Mother's talking to imaginary friends, deceased family members, heaven. It's the new normal. One night, I crawled into bed exhausted. Mom had barely moved for physical therapy. They had come about 11 that morning. Yet without her walker, she marched into my bedroom and started swinging her fists. Get up now, she screamed. Mother, it's nighttime. It's bedtime. I said, I opened the curtain. Look, it's dark outside. I don't care that it's dark. Mom slide, snarled back. It's 2 in the morning. We better need to rest, I said. Mom screamed again. I don't care that it's two in the morning. Her voice had taken on an animal-like quality and had become almost a growl. When I looked at her again, her eyes were black. She did not have the whites of her eyes. Oh. She started swinging her fists. I grabbed the phone. I called my brother. Maybe he could calm her down. Then all of a sudden, she just snapped out of it, calmed down. Her eyes became their normal brown. I could see the whites of her eyes. Her voice was gentle again, no more of that animal-like quality. She went to bed after that. It was nearly 5 a.m. She had kept it up for about three hours when she would not move for the physical therapist for a few minutes. Wow. So she developed... It, it was, it's one of the signs of possession is superhuman strength. And I Absolutely. do that my mother was possessed by something or at, at minimum oppressed by something. Another strange thing happened as I was preparing for sleep. This was the next year. A ball of white light shot across the foot of my bed. It was not a pure white light. It was a dirty white like the t-shirts that don't get washed in a special kind of detergent they have on TV commercials. I was stunned. I dropped my toothbrush. Oh, I'm just tired. I haven't been sleeping. And the next day, I fell into a fitful light sleep. It felt like a large, I was jarred awake. It felt like a large, hard, rectangle-shaped object hit the foot of my bed. I thought, 
Am I feeling my mother's coffin? And I thought, where did that thought come from? The next day was Sunday. And I recounted the situation to my pastor. He said, if you see something dark, it's bad. The pastor's wife said, Psalm 91, which I later did more times than I could count. I would hear heavy footsteps in the hallway outside my bedroom. They started at my mother's bedroom door. They continued down past my room to the end of the hallway. They would make at first one trip and back, and then later they would keep it up and they would make multiple trips. One day, one time they sounded exactly like those of my dear father who had died when I was 14. He died, he'd been dead almost 25 years at that point. Um, following a third hospital visit, my mother was transferred to a nursing facility. And so the entities in my house had me alone. Oh. They weren't ghosts, they were demons. Um, I ha it became particularly difficult to sleep. The intrusions occurred between the hours of 12 midnight and 3 a.m., which is, as I understand it, that's the witching hour. Right. And something came into my voice as I lay in bed, with no job, you're going to die. Because I didn't have a job. I had moved back in with my mother in 2011. And it said, with no job, you're going to die. Just keep lying in this bed. You're going to waste to a skeleton and starve to death. God doesn't love you. And neither does anyone else. Wow. Neither does anyone else. Well, Demons try to separate a person from... God and from community. What what was going through your mind when you was hearing this? I believed it. It it tried to convince me that God didn't love me. I kept going to church though, and in early April, I woke up to something that looked like blood on the dining room floor. My friend said, oh, your cat's in heat. But I shared the house with an orange cat. He was male. He couldn't have been in heat. My female stayed out on our enclosed back porch and wanted nothing to do with inside the house because she was an outside kitty, but she was willing to stay on the enclosed back porch. Right. I cleaned it up. It didn't quite look like blood. It was reddish in color, but it wasn't really red enough or thick enough to be human blood. I'm like, maybe it was ketchup, but wait, I didn't eat any ketchup. Or was it a cat fight? But my cats didn't fight. How could it have gotten there? But I tried so hard to deny that something otherworldly was in the house. And one day in April 2016, I was watching a television program led by an expert in demon warfare. I don't have his permission to mention his name on the air. But he is a religious demonologist. 
Um, he's appeared on EWTN. Uh-huh. And he said there are no such things as ghosts. What appears to be ghostly activity is really demons. And that day I smelled urine in the house. Well, I went, I cleaned the bathroom. I cleaned my mother's bedroom. There was no urine on the floor. Huh. But there was still a strong, foul odor of urine in the house. I noticed my mother's bedroom was a lot colder than the rest of the house. And that, that bedroom, because of where it was located, was always a little bit cooler than the rest of the house. Today, it was, that particular day, it was frigid. It was as cold as the outdoors. It was probably in the 50s in that bedroom. Wow. And it about 68 to 70 in the house. And so I lit a fire in the fireplace. I put a potato in the oven. I turned up the heat and I could not get that room warm. The first Sunday of May, I went to church. I took communion. I couldn't make out the pastor's face. I couldn't see. I could barely see the bread. The pastor had to put the bread into my hand. And instead of seeing the host, I saw a scene from a horror movie. Instead of seeing the pastor's face, I saw another scene from a horror movie. I went to the altar and I prayed and I could finally see the inside of the church again. Incredible. And the night of the cleaning frenzy, I went to bed. I went on another cleaning frenzy. I went to bed that evening. And a dark gray black shadow in the shape of a man wearing a large hat appeared. My ominous childhood visitor had returned. The hallway was dark. The shadow man was blacker than the surrounding darkness. The only way he was visible was he had a sickly green light. It was a green that would make you nauseous to look at it around him. And his figure was, it, the green light outlined his figure. His body appeared to be no thicker than about six inches. I did not see eyes, eye sockets, or a face. There was a, only the outline of a long hooked nose, a wide brimmed hat, and unnatural, elongated, and jagged trench jagged edges of a trench coat he stared at me this is your fault you brought this on yourself with your envy this is your fault and he disappeared and then a friend because my cat was like an attack cat she's my friend said oh send your cat down the hallway he can attack it he'll scare him away and i put him on the hallway floor and I watched him as he stood frozen in fear. I panicked. I called my pastor. I screamed, help me. It's dark. It's bad. I felt a lot of fear. The shadow man, I went back to bed. The shadow man returned. And this time I got out of bed, I ran to our china cabinet. I found a small plastic cross and put it by my bed, and the shadow man did not return that night. 
If any confirmation was needed, that was it. I was being tormented by a demonic spirit. Oh, absolutely. At church the next day, I described the situation to my pastor and his wife. The pastor gave me this wooden cross to wear, and he said to leave it on. Wow. And the Bible verses were Psalm 91, Psalm 121, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2, Proverbs chapter 35, verse 6, Psalm 3, 5, Psalm 4, 8, Psalm 34, 4 to 7, and John 14, to 20, 14 verse 27. And both the pastor and his wife prayed with me. So I was back in my van. I was in graduate studies online at the time, and a gray shadow snake slithered up a nearby wall. He didn't have a defined head or eyes, but his body was swaying side to side, just side to side like that. And I quickly found the Bible verses on the internet, read them out loud, and the shadow snake disappeared. The pastor's wife prayed with me again over the phone that evening. I left the cross on. The only time I took it off was to shower. I saw no more of the shadow man, but that was only the first round. And on the fourth night after that, the shadow man returned and brought with him a second shadow man. And I knew that more than one demon was tormenting me. I found a second cross in the china cabinet. This one had come from the Holy Land for my great aunt, and I placed it in the hallway. And I put a nightlight in the hall so the shadow man would have no place to hide. And so that it would hit the cross and make a shadow of the cross also. Later that week, the pastor came out and prayed over me and performed a house blessing. For the next few days, all was quiet. My cat gave birth to three kittens on my closed-in back porch, and I heard a loud scratching sound coming from within the walls of the porch. I silently turned to face the noise while wearing the cross around my neck, and the scratching abruptly stopped, but when I turned away the and turned the cross away from the sound, it would start again. And each time I faced it with the cross, it would immediately stop. Um, it was a cold spring day in 2016. I split a fire in my basement. And crawling in the dark, a dark shadow in the shape of a misshapen two-legged cat or weasel moved. It was a third of a way up the wall. It was still that same yucky gray. I felt an involuntary shudder through my body. How many of these things were there? And then later that evening, I could hear a voice in my mind. Now, I had, my mother had gone to the, hot, to the nursing home suddenly, and I had her medication in the house. Right. And I had pudding cups to give it to her. And I had just gotten her medications filled. Um, she had a, some blood pressure pills. Um diabetes medicine and behavior medicine. And he said to take all of my mother's pills, put them in three pudding cups. 
He said you can't support yourself, you can't earn money, commit suicide so your mother can have your life insurance money. You're worth more dead than alive. Take all of your mother's pills and put them in three pudding cups. And I sat on the couch and cried and I said, I'm not going to do it. And I replied back and I, this is my other mistake was replying back to the thing instead of just turning right to God. But I replied back to this thing. No, I will not commit suicide. I can earn money. I'm going to work and support myself. I write for a magazine. I did at the time. My magazine will not pay for my articles after I'm dead. I called my pastor's wife. I found another Christ. I found another cross in the in the china cabinet, and it was one my great aunt, the United Methodist deaconess, had brought back from the Holy Land. And later that summer, our pastor got promoted to district superintendent. The demonic activity seemed to have ceased. Summer arrived. My previous boss gave me a new job. And life at home looked like it would once again be serene and secure. So I went, one of the things that I did was to try to build a sense of community. This, this was a demonic attack. Right. And I could build a sense of community in my ch with my church. And they had a fellowship dinner. And I discovered that God was healing me. After the scarlet fever episode years before, I had developed a lot of food intolerances. But one of them was an allergy to cheese, just cheese. I could tolerate milk on my cereal. I could tolerate yogurt at breakfast and snacks. But it was cheese. So the church served macaroni and cheese, tossed salad and meatloaf that night. When the spoonful of macaroni and cheese was served, I gratefully accepted it. I was doubtful whether my stomach would could handle it, and I heard a still small voice of our Lord. It's okay. Go ahead and eat it. And to my delighted surprise, I had no stomach cramps, no nausea. Didn't feel the least bit queasy. Didn't have the run. The healing must have come from God. The months passed, and then in early October 2016, I was really tired. I it suddenly got cold, and I was really tired. I'd spent the afternoon moving my house plants from the front porch to a back bedroom. Heavy footsteps in the hallway and loud thumps in the basement disturbed my rest. A Christian friend suggested I dip my finger in olive oil and pray and make crosses throughout the house. And I did. And it felt really oppressive and evil that Halloween. I mean, all this going through and all this happening with you throughout the years, I mean, how did you deal with all this? Well, when I was a kid, I was really into ghosts. And I asked my mother if she'd ever seen a ghost. And she said, yes, but I'm only going to say this once and don't tell anybody. A big black thing came up in the basement in 1973. Oh. 1973 was the year that my maternal grandfather died. And... In 1973, another um, 
I, I don't want to get too political. That's fine. But in 1973, Roe versus Wade was legalized. That's correct. And, and one of, and I believe I had the spirit of death in my house. And I believe that it was after me and tried to claim me. Wow. Do you have and nightmares and stuff over it? Did I have nightmares? Um, as a child, beginning in about fifth grade, I had nightmares about bloody children. They were wearing like an old fashioned shirt and they came to my, they would like come into my dreams and they would be like, we don't want to be cut, they said. But there was like blood down, down the front, down the chest part of the shirt. Sometimes wow. blood on the face. And all of the shirts were white. Um, my parents had bought a piece of land that had a barn on it and had a well. We think that maybe people were sacrificed by putting them down the well. Unbelievable. And because things, the house was built in 1968. And the fact that things were happening in 1973. And the fact that, like, I would tell my brother about it. And it would be just meatloaf on Tuesday, normal to him. Plus, I stayed. I wasn't at my house a lot when I was a kid. Um, I spent a lot of summers with my grandmother across town. So, yay for that. I always knew that I liked staying at my grandmother's. And I, I think God gave me the grace of forgetting. Um, and blocking these things out from my mind. Because... It's a very heavy burden to have on a child. Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't like this stuff went on um, when I was really little. It wasn't like it went on every single day. It did happen. But this is 2016 on Halloween. The week, it, this was round three. And the week leading up to Halloween was really difficult. Something was happening. I was eating breakfast and watching TV in my living room before church. And a dark gray ball of what looked like smoke appeared from one wall, just came out of the wall. It stuck together. It didn't dissipate like a candle. And it appeared from one wall, flew, disappeared into the wall across the room. And at, on Wednesday night, I heard footsteps in the basement, 2.20 Thursday morning. The demon ripped the covers off my bed while I slept, leaving only my extra blanket crosswise. So, like, I had the blanket pulled up over me lengthwise. He took it and made it crosswise at the foot of the bed. And also my cross that had been brought back from the Holy Land had been torn from the base by an unseen hand. Wow. Um, different puddles would appear in my basement without pipes. They were Was it like an old substance? Oily? I don't know. I don't know what it was. I didn't investigate it. I didn't touch it. I didn't have it tested. I didn't investigate it. It was just puddles. 
On the day of Halloween, I received two creepy phone calls where nobody talked. And I had a landline phone at the time, which I don't anymore. The first one was at 9 a.m. The second was precisely 12 noon. And... It was what it was trying to do. And finally, they called at 3 p.m. And I said a prayer and they hung up. Eventually, I t turned on the EWTN Catholic station, searching for a mass. And as soon as the mass came on, the activity stopped. I played masses every chance I got. It would resume when the mass ended or when I turned the TV to something secular and non-religious, and it likes doing things in threes. Mocking the Holy Trinity. Mocking the Holy Trinity. Um, when I went downstairs to do laundry, I heard the first of two thumps in the basement. I was the only person there. There were no pets. And later in the day, my a kitten came down to watch me. Blossom, my five-month-old kitten, came down to watch me. The second thump occurred while the cat was sitting there. Again, I prayed. I dipped my finger in olive oil and made a row of three olive oil crosses. The one in the center smudged within minutes. So I was frustrated and scared. I grabbed the green marker. I drew a big green cross at the foot of my basement steps. A friend suggested I might find some peace by spritzing both the house and myself with holy water. My boss picked up some holy water for me from a Catholic church. For months, the only way I could sleep at all was to spray holy water on my face before going to bed. Wow. Early November, my church's new pastor came to bless the house, and he suggested I call 911 if more activity happened. But my security system, my burglar alarm system, never went off. And what would 911 do? How could the police fight the supernatural? Right, right. During the first week of December, both a senior and a assistant pastor to my church visited. It was a sort of confession, so I mentioned that I remembered when I was a child, and I talked to them about the incident with the Ouija board. And I remembered something else I used to hear my parents and my maternal grandmother say frequently. We did not love you before we got here, but we love you now. Um, when I was in my teens and I was cleaning up at home, I found a map to a health clinic in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My mom was the reporter who kept everything. And it was a map to an abortion clinic. Oh, wow. Because when my mom found out she was pregnant with me, um, she was 41. Or f like 40. Um, she is, she is an October birthday. So she would have been like 40 at the time, not quite 41 yet. And she was, the doctor suggested that she end the pregnancy because of her age. She 
he thought there would be something wrong with me. Wow. There was another incident when I, it was in the fall of 95 after my grandmother died. I was a senior in high school. Half done trigonometry homework lingered on the kitchen table and orange stained dishes languished in the kitchen sink. It was spaghetti night. My brother smelling foul strode in. He'd been working on the garbage truck and began speaking to my mother. I want hunting permits for my friends, for my friends to hunt on the farm. Can you give me some permits? Say yes, mom. No, I won't give you any hunting permits, Mama said. I don't want strangers I don't know on my land. My brother argued with Mom, insisting she should give him the permits regardless. Standing in my purple sweatsuit, I rose to my full small height to defend her. I stepped between my mom and my brother and said, leave her alone. Our mother tried to stop the fight. Neither of us would back down and then the coup de grace. My brother said, Lee, I have something that will knock you to the dirt. Your mother wanted an abortion and I talked her out of it. Just out of nowhere, that just blurted out. Yes, out of nowhere. Your mother wanted an abortion and I talked her out of it. I went back to my bedroom. I grabbed the stuffed animal that was the last gift from my dad and cried. Um, I had, the students had a day off, but the teachers had to go for a meeting that day and my mom was teaching. So in the morning, my mom had already left for work when I found a note from her near the Cheerios. I love you, Lee. Your father talked me out of it. And my mother and I talked later and she said, no, it really was not your brother who talked me out of the abortion. Your father talked me out of it. He told me, if you do this, you will never know what she would have been like. And this would have been in 1976 in the era before sonograms and knowing the baby's sex before birth. When I asked about the map I'd found, my mother told me on the day she found out she was pregnant with me, the doctor gave her a map to get to the abortion clinic in Pittsburgh. And I forgave my mother. I appreciated my father even more after that. Um, late December, it got even worse. There was a really strong urine smell and small, visible, grayish clouds that emitted a urine odor would just go along the house. And I called a, another pastor friend. He said, no question, it's a demon. And the fear you feel is demonic oppression. See, infestation is when they're in your house. Oppression is feeling fear. But if I had said yes or consented to the demon, I would have become possessed. He said he was somewhat familiar with demonic oppression. He did not personally feel comfortable coming to my house. Wow. And finally, they come, the deliverance team offered to, which was a Christian woman that I knew in a church I didn't go to. The pastor was from a church I didn't go to. And there was a third person, and a second Christian woman. And as soon as I opened the front door for them, they smelled overwhelming smells 
of death decomposition and the stale urine again. I told each terrifying event in detail. I told him about the Ouija board. My grandmother played with it. The pastor said that, hey, your grandmother opened a door and we're going to shut it. And while they were working the property, they determined that children had been sacrificed. Wow. On the property. And that's what I was seeing in my dreams. And that was the girl in the hallway. And that was another layer, that another entry point for the demonic. Um, so it was kind of the perfect storm with the land and the Ouija board. So it all comes together and ties in. Yes. We shared scripture and a prayer, and then the Holy Team and I, and the team and I took Holy Communion, the wafer and the juice, the host. And I think I saw something called transubstantiation, whereas communion elements in, in transubstantiation, the communion elements actually become the body of Christ. The grape juice was warm. It was body temperature. I never felt more like I was drinking the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. I've always, every other time that I've taken communion, it's been room temperature. This was body temperature. And there was prayer and laying on of hands. And as my friend placed her hands on my shoulders, another woman began singing. The pastor prayed more earnestly. At the beginning of the singing and praying, I could not hear the words. I could hear the demon talking in my mind and saying, she's mine, she's mine. And the good Christian prayer warrior grabbed my cheeks and held my head steady. She said, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. The pastor prayed some more. He began walking through the house. He went in the hallway. He wrote certain things on the palm of his hand. He prayed the words. Spirit of death, you've been trying to claim her since before she was born. You tried to claim her through abortion. You're trying to claim her now. You have no right to her. In the name of Jesus Christ, leave this place. We're closing the door. Something shifted. Suddenly, the room became lighter. The house smelled fresh and clean. The deliverance team anointed the whole property with consecrated oil from the Holy Land and consecrated lavender oil. At the end of the deliverance, the pastor explained there were four demons, the spirit of death, the spirit of torment, the spirit of torture, and the spirit of intrusion. The demons are gone and the doors are sealed. Indeed they were. It was felt like a swirling black cloud had finally lifted. And that dream, I night I dreamed that the devil threw the four demons into a giant cauldron. Red and orange flames leapt from the cauldron, and there was a huge fire burning under it. They melted away. I woke up the next morning with muscle pain all over my body, and I coughed up blood. I looked in my mouth. It wasn't coming from my throat or anywhere in my mouth. The bleeding stopped later that day. And the pain subsided the next day. Dark forces um, affect the body, the mind, the soul, and the spirit. 
Absolutely. I had a secondary trial. Um, one night, two months later, I turned in early. I had a big work day plan the next day. And as I was sleeping, something stood over me, smacked the bed, reached down and scratched me. Another night that week, it pulled the covers around my face to try and smother me. When I yelled, Jesus, help the activity stopped. I again showed my friend the scratch. He said, it's new demons. I'm going to contact the deliverance team. After I left, I felt perfectly fine. I went out to lunch. I walked over to the library. I planned to go from the library to the church a few blocks away for dinner and an informal service. About 30 seconds after I left the library, I got dizzy. The vertigo was so bad, I had to ask a kind passerby, help me walk the three blocks to the church. Hey, it didn't want me to go to church. And on April 17th, 2017, I had a baptismal renewal done. And as I was leaving the church, the Holy Spirit urged me to touch the holy water and make a cross on my forehead. I felt peace and joy and relief. About another two years later, I went, I had to work a weekend and stay in a hotel. And I was, um, I participated in a church service at a hotel. And they pulled the spirit of fear off of me. Fear is the strong man. Um, typically, when you have demons, they're like in a gang. There's never just one. Right. Um, so they pulled the spirit of fear off me. And it felt like the next day, I was sore for a few days. It felt like the most intense work out of your life, but it was pulling. It was, it felt like something had pulled my arms and legs and my, my back, my trunk area. Wow. And then God did miracles in my life from then on. I mean, all this chaos since you was a little child. Uh, tell you about the incident in the shower in December of 2016. I got in the shower. I heard pounding on the bathroom door. I thought it was the cat. The pounding got louder, and I could feel—I could see the door move because something was kicking it. When I got out of the shower, I noticed two cloven hoof prints on my back on my bathroom door. Yep, I would have been gone. Nope. I mean, how did you deal with this your your whole entire life? I couldn't do it. The deliverance team, um, going to church, seeking out people who could help me, seeking out communities of faith and people who could help me. Well, I can tell you one thing just by talking to you. You're a very strong woman. Thank you. And you have a very strong faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you. And I think that's your salvation. Yes. Except your sanity. Yes. Through the whole entire time. Usually when we talk about paranormal stuff, everybody says, do not bring in religion. But religion always ties in somehow into a paranormal activity. Yes. It has to. 
you know, people talk about dog man. You know, my opinion is dog man is from the gates of hell. I think Satan lets it out to cause havoc on earth. You know, that's my opinion. So I don't know. Everybody has their own opinion about stuff. But when we talk about supernatural powers like yours, we have these encounters with the black man, the black mist, the gray stuff, and all that other stuff that follows you from uh, uh, two to five to growing up through high school. You know, it's wonder you didn't commit suicide. Because a lot of people could not handle stress like that. Me, I could never handle that. Somebody pulled the sheets off my bed, I'm running out the door. You know, even though I interview people and talk about it, I watch it all day on TV. You know, I've never been on a ghost hunt. I've never been on an expedition because I don't know how, how I'd handle that. But talking to people like you that writes books about it, you know, you're not the only person out there that is going through the same thing. Right. And people need to know about these incidents. And people need to know that they're not alone. That you found a way how to deal with it and solve it and how you work through it throughout life. And that's give them an opportunity to open a door to follow the same footsteps as you have. Does that make sense? Yes. It really, it, to me, it really does. I mean, I'm just astonished just, just by hearing this the encounters, you know, I'm just, I'm speechless. I mean, the, the book that, that you have is, everybody needs to go out and get the book. Yes, Lulu, absolutely. Lulu, right? Lulu Publishing. Lulu Publishing, yes. Lulu Publishing. Please go out and get this book. I tell you, once you start, you will not put it down. I'm already tied up in it. And, and the book title is called again? The Terror by Night, Not Flesh or Blood. Terror by Night, Not Flesh. Not Flesh or Blood. Or Blood. Now, the artist... The artist drew um, this. He went with a black and red theme. You can see the second shadow man there in the background. Right, right. And that is why this particular entity has the red eyes. And also, I was trying to be a guy and hide. Has anybody else in your family had the same encounters as you? Or has it always been you? Well, like I said, my mother saw something in the basement, but she was so freaked out she didn't talk about it. And, like, it's a really nice house. So, at the time, I, was, I wasn't making a lot of money back in 2016, and I didn't have an option to move. Right, right. And the other thing is... Um, hell always likes to, likes real estate. Oh, absolutely. 
it likes to claim and if i had moved this land would have been the property of hell a lot of a lot of symptoms that you have mm -hmm. i have witnessed that they have uh supposedly moved cemeteries but they haven't moved them all and built on the land i know that used to be tribal land and uh, indian burial grounds used to be there and they desecrated it and put houses on it and people have problems you know you said there were sacrifices in the barn to the well that you know finally there's, come to life an existing there was an existing barn my parents found a cheap piece of land right and there was an existing barn with a well that it, my mom put a big rock over it for a long time and said nobody fall in the well um then she had it filled in eventually i did not go in and like excavate or do anything of that nature um I, I just had the deliverance team to pray. That's the best thing you can do. I think that the experiences, although the the people that have had the experiences have passed on, um, I think my grandmother had some otherworldly things, my maternal grandmother, my mother, uh, living here, my parents, when I was five years old oh you froze are you there let's give her a couple of seconds see if she comes back to us in our studio here hopefully it's not in the uh, entities causing the disturbance let her wrap up her uh, video here with us. Lee, are you there? Lee Eyes. I'm still showing she's connected, everybody. So I don't know what happened here. Now she's gone. So, I don't know what happened right there and there, but I tell you right now, everybody, go out and get that book, Lulu. Very interesting encounter she has throughout her life. I couldn't deal with half the stuff she dealt with. Poofs. On the bathroom door, I'd be out. I'm not Catholic. I would call a priest. I'd call everybody. I don't know if I was still sleeping in the same house or the same bed. Probably not. This is Grizzly from Lexington, Kentucky. Coast to coast, across the world. Everybody, have a great afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye for now.